Welcome to the sag After Foundation's Conversations podcast. The sag After Foundation believes that contributions made to our culture by performing arts are not only valuable, but also essential. And so we provide free programming and services like this podcast to support them. If you'd like to learn more about the sag After Foundation or access the full library of our conversations or make a donation to support this podcast, please visit sagaftra.foundation. That's www.sagaftra.foundation. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SagAfterFound. Thanks, and enjoy the conversation. Hi, my name is Janelle Riley. I'm an editor at Variety, and I'm so, so happy to welcome you to the Seg After Foundation conversation. Thank you. We have athlete, actor, author, and activist Harry Cruz, um, all the good A-words. One of the busiest actors working today, he's currently starring on Brooklyn Nine-Nine and hosting America's Got Talent. He was also named one of Time Magazine's People of the Year in 2017. Please welcome Terry Cruz. <laughs> Ever had entrance music here? That is amazing. I love it. And my wife, she also calls me special A word, so it's uh, it's all feels like home right now. Feels like home. How you guys doing? You look great. Man, I'm honored. This is actually an audience of SAG actors. And I usually ask how you got your SAG card, but I asked you that the other day. That's right. And I'm actually curious, what was your first acting job, the, whether you got paid for it or not, the first time you were in front of a camera? Wow, the first time um, is so wild. The first thing I ever auditioned for, I got. It's crazy. Everyone walks out. I know, I know. <laughs> but if I told you what I had to do, you would understand. Uh, it was a TV show called Battle Dome. And I was literally, I was fresh out of the NFL. I was a couple of years, actually about three years out. And what was wild, I went to an audition in Venice Beach. And this is the deal, I was doing, my first job in LA was sweeping floors. I mean, we went broke after the NFL. Um, I was a journeyman, the whole thing. And uh, what, what the thing is, when I left football, I was like, you know, yeah, Hollywood, they, they waiting for me. You know, every, every athlete thinks yeah. that a, you know, Hollywood career is just, it's waiting. But you never, ever notice that no one who's ever went before you ever made it. <laughs> it's like every year, every, every, every uh, NFL athlete, NBA athlete thinks it's ready, but you notice that there's nobody else in front of you that's doing it. So... Uh, I got a chance to, I mean, I literally was uh, sweeping floors because I ran out of money. Mm. And then I got a, a, an upgrade by doing security on motion pictures and movies. The first movie I ever did uh, security for was Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey wow. and Milos Forman. We talked a little yes. bit about that. And I remember I was like, oh, this is a movie set. And it was right down the street on Wilshire at the Ambassador Hotel, the old Ambassador. They mm -hmm. raised it now, but that was back where they had the Academy Awards. And I mean, I knew all the history. I was like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a fan, but I'm like, I'm working. 
in the business. This is Hollywood. That's Jim Carrey. But he wouldn't let anybody call him Jim at the time. You had to call him Andy? He was like, yeah. He was like, Andy, how are you? He was like, how are you, sir? And he walked by, and he was totally like Andy Kaufman. And I was like, this is crazy. And so I still was broke. And a, while I was doing all this stuff, a friend of mine was like, hey, man, look, on your day off, um, you know, there's a, a show I'm working on. It's called Battle Dome. They have auditions down in um, Venice Beach. And maybe you should go. And I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, I had my only day off from the security stuff. And I said, now, I was trying to get behind the scenes, to be honest with you. I didn't want to be in front. I had scripts that I had written. My, my portfolio was in at Disney because I was an artist. Uh, painting, drawing, the whole thing. And I was just like, I'm going to be a creator, you know? <laughs> and uh, my wife was like, I asked her, I said, should I try this? And she was like, honey, we have nothing. <laughs> so, I mean, just go for it. I went down to Venice Beach and I was in shape. And I started, I literally, they had us doing all these things, running, jumping, uh, you know, we were, we were climbing up ropes. They wanted to act like, you know, be a wrestler and the whole thing. And I was like, ah. And everybody was like, they were like, you're pretty good. And I was like, thanks. And then I went home and I told my wife, it was, I'll never forget the day I came back. And we had a little bitty house in Burbank. It was literally one room and what you would call a bedroom, but it was all unopened. And I remember going in that little house and I was like, honey, I did really good. Like, I feel like that was something special. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I liked it. Wow. You know, and it was really weird, because yeah. you know when you get, when you, I was like, this, this front of the camera thing. And I didn't hear nothing for six months. No. <laughs> I was like, damn, I guess it didn't do good. I was, listen, I was on the set of, I was doing security on next Friday. I was wow. on the set all the way up in Santa Clarita. It was doubling for Rancho Cucamonga in the movie. And I was watching Cube's car. I was literally watching, he pull up and he was like, I was like, now, how you doing Mr. Cube? He's like, hey man, get away from me, man. I was like, okay, no problem. Wow. <laughs> I was always like, yeah, oh, yeah Mr. Cube? Uh, he was like, whatever, don't talk to me. And I was like, all right, okay. But I made sure his car was good and Tiny was, you know, all these guys was kind of coming doing cameos and I was going, oh my God, this is Friday. But I was still, but I was always reserved. And, <laughs> and this was crazy because this was pre-cell phone. Oh, right. Pre-cell phone, ain't that a crazy, this is like, so I actually had to wait for news. Like nobody would call you uh -huh. up and everything. And I remember driving all the way back to Burbank from Santa Clarita and my wife was like, oh my God, honey, honey, the people from Sony, they called, they called about that show, that thing you did. And I was like, what? What, they, they got a call back, they got a call back. And I was like, oh my God, really? And uh, this is a great story, I'm trying to tell you, I know. <laughs> I'm already invested. I yeah. want to give you the details. You're going to have an easy job yeah, tonight. Yeah, I know. Oh, your job is That's easy. That's why I said yes. Your job is so simple. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, okay. And then I went to this callback. They, they, they had a callback that, you know, they said, okay, everybody show up. And then the casting agent was like, Terry, uh, you know, we know you're a nice guy and the whole thing, but the, I, I have a tip for you. Just be as wild as possible. And I was like, really? Before really? then you weren't wild? Just, well, I mean, I, I was doing, you know, the stuff on, uh, on the beach and that's yeah. all they knew. And they were like, now we're gonna get a little more into character stuff and character building. And so I went to Sony 
dressed, I went to Cinema Secrets in Burbank, <laughs> went and got my face painted, like no. all the way up into my bald head. You know what I mean? Like Darth Maul, you know what I mean? And then I had the Star Trek outfit and I had my spandex workout outfit, didn't wear any shorts on top, just spandex. And I had wrestling boots that I pulled out from somewhere. And I, I showed up on, on at the Sony lot and the guy at the, at the gate was like, oh man, I was like, dude, I stopped acting like you've never seen this before. I was like, this ain't the craziest thing yeah. you've seen, okay? Yeah. But you gotta understand, I was so hungry. Like, I hadn't had any money in years. Like, you know what I mean? It was like $8 an hour, $10 an hour here and then and and we were starving. Like, I literally, you know, my wife's ring was pawned. It was in a pawn shop. I pawned my car. Um, we were just on, and I just had, my wife was pregnant. And I was like, man, I gotta do this, man. There's no way back. So I go in there, and there were all these cool guys, like, you know, the Venice, you know, Venice guys yeah. and all that. They had to, they were all cool and dressed in their nice outfits. And I came in, and I was crazy looking, right? <laughs> and they all laughed. They were like, oh, look at this dude, look at this guy. I was like, whatever, man. Face painted, I was like, whatever. Hey, man, my babies need to eat. I don't know what to tell you. These are people with no kids. When you, when yeah. you get some kids, you understand. You're like, hey, man, go ahead and laugh, bro. I got to feed these babies. So I go in there, and I'm acting all right, and I'm doing this. I just go off. And they're like, thank you very much. Thank you. And I go home. Didn't hear anything. Three months. Oh, my God. Three months go by. I'm trying to do this was a nine-month audition, right? <laughs> and I go back to work like, damn, what happened? But, but you know what? what? What made me feel good was the fact that I gave it everything. Yep. Like, the piece was that, was there any more I could do? No. No. It was impossible <laughs> to do anymore. Like, if my head could explode, I would have made it do it. You know what I mean? And... What was crazy, I was back on the job again, waiting for something. I come back home, my wife calls me again. She's like, honey, honey, the lady from Sony again. Three months later, she said, the lady from Sony called, it's not over. Because I'm thinking it was over. She said, they, they called me and said, Terry, we need you to come down on a Saturday. And I was thinking, man, okay, if I, I you know, if there are no movies working that time, because a lot of the movies, I would watch the sets on Saturday oh. while they went off, and I was in there watching like all the, 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 the hot sets, and I would be out there downtown doing my thing. And I was like, oh, I think I got a gig then, you know? But I said, I gotta just go down there and, and do another callback one more time. So we go down, there's a little office next to Sony, across the street from Sony, I go in, and there's only like eight people there. And I'm like, man, okay, well, maybe they're just choosing all the thing between us and the whole thing. And I'll never forget that the producer of the show, he looked at me, he said, Terry, you are going to be one of our Battle Dome Warriors. <laughs> and I was like, what are you saying? Like, you mean I won't be on a show? Like a real show? And they were like, yeah, yeah, we're syndicated. You're going to get $2,500 an episode. Wow. Now you got to understand. I was like, oh my God, this money. This money. <laughs> I mean, I was tasting the food before. Like, <laughs> when you haven't ate in a while, you're like, <laughs> And I was like, oh my God. I was thinking about pampers and diapers. And I could do this. I could do this. And then, uh, and then we, they, they, we literally, they gave us the green light. We did two shows uh, per day. Like we would do four a week, 
two on Tuesday, two on Thursday, and what they did is put me in a cage, light the ends on fire, and I beat these guys up. And, and my, my character's name, yes, my character's name was T-Money, and I was from Detroit, and they gave me a gold chain with a, with a, a, a dollar sign on the end, and I would walk out, I had my walk and the whole thing, and I would, let me tell you, it was the first time, you're talking about, you're talking about major theater, you understand? Now, I'm from Flint, Michigan. I knew T-Money, yeah. you know what I mean? I went to school with T-Money. I was like, oh, this is something, I'm, I'm going all method, right? And I remember we had this game where there was this big poles and they would put you, the, other, the contestant on the other end and me on the other side. So it was a mix of wrestling and, you know, wipe out. <laughs> okay. And this guy, and you would whack them and whack them and whack them until they got off. And I remember they were like, T-Money, oh my God, you win again, how are you doing? So what are you gonna do? And this was a kid's show, but I was like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna take this stick. I'm gonna stick it up their ass. And I'm gonna make all day suckers out of every last one of them sons of bitches. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was on, gone. They were like, Jerry. <laughs> you know this is gonna play Saturday morning. You do know that, right? And I was like, oh, sorry. Oh, and what I would do, and this is what I would do, it was so good. Oh, man, the story gets better. The contestants, the contestants would come in and meet the Warriors, but I wouldn't let them meet me. Oh. I would, and I had triplets who acted as my posse, and there was one guy who held my money, he had a suitcase. <laughs> And I, they were like, well, is T-Money here? And I, they were like, hey, man, T-Money, oh, man, he a little mad right now. He a little, he's a little angry. And I was over there playing with my kids in the bag. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I knew that was the technique. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm, going to, I'm going to not show them who I am. And when, when it got out there, and I, I walked out, and they were like, oh, my God. And I took my shirt off. And this is where all that come from. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I was like, what you going to do? What you going to And I was just mad, dog. And they were like, and I knew. And if, I, if they looked away, it was an easy day. <laughs> because they instantly would just fold. And yeah. I was like, ah, ah, and play it all up. And ah, stand over them. And then when it was over, I was like, hey, man, great job. And they were like, oh, oh, my God, you fooled me. And I was like, ah. It was grand theater. It was amazing. Yeah. I fell in love with being in front of the camera. And, it, and one thing I learned was just, was never to hold back. Like, just go in, just go so far in, you're lost. And it, and it was a peaceful feeling. Like, I, I've, I've never... My thing is all the struggle is always when you hold back. Mm -hmm. Like it's always when, oh, let me, because you, you become self-conscious and all that, but I would lose myself. There was no, I became what you would call unembarrassable. Yeah. Where the thing was, and I still do it to this day, where it's the thing where, man, you know what? I'm not even me anymore. And that was my first gig wow. in Hollywood, period. It went for two seasons. And they, we actually had to stop the show because I got sued three times. Because you hurt people? Yeah, yeah. People went to the hospital, straight to the hospital. It was so brutal and so, it was pre-MMA. Like right now, people know, they know, you know, wrestling yeah. and pre, you know, MMA and mixed martial arts. No one had seen people get hit in the face on television for real until we showed it to them. And it was like, pow! They were like, oh, it's blood! He's bleeding! The first show, one guy's leg was turned all the way around. And it's, it was one of those shows that kind of like, 
it was too. It was way too dangerous. It yeah. was someone's great idea, and then they were like, um, and this was for kids. For kids, for, it, it was, yeah, we all had care. We had the handsome guy, we had the African warrior, and I was the street guy, and then we had the motorcycle guy. We were all like wrestler guy, but we were putting people in the hospital. Wow. Concussions, lots of concussions. Did you ever get hurt? Oh yeah. <laughs> I got, you know, I, I tried to do that whole like, ah, stuff to this guy, and he didn't look away. He was looking at me like, mm-hmm. Oh, no. <laughs> Ooh, it's going to be tough today. <laughs> you know, he was not scared. And I was like, okay. And the, one of the rules where you couldn't put people in chokeholds. And this guy didn't care about the rules. And this is another thing about Hollywood that you got to understand is that they didn't really care a lot about us. Right. Because this guy was like, whoa, 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 and pat me in a chokehold. And I was like, oh. And I felt my world just go, and I saw myself passing. You know, you how you see yourself, you actually jumped out of your body like, hey man, that's you. <laughs> hey dude, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. And I was like, oh. And the world just went, oh. And I started going out and I started fading out. And I basically passed out for like a millisecond. And then the, the game was over and the guy won. And he celebrated. And they promised me they were gonna take care of us. And I went to the producers. I was like, dude, he had me in this illegal hole. Why didn't you stop it? Why didn't you stop it? I said, you saw me, man. He was like, we didn't see it, Terry. Ugh. I said, wait a minute, you got every angle. He was like, we didn't see it. And I went, oh, damn. Oh, damn. If that's how it is. Yeah. Like, you reminded me of the NFL. Yeah. And I was like, Actually. same thing. And I was like, oh, this is the same, this is the same deal. Oh, we're on our own. Got it. And that was really, really dangerous. I mean, Again, it was one of those things where I, I was willing to put up with that kind of risk just in order to, to feed my family mm -hmm. at the time. But, and, but that is actually where you kind of caught the acting bug? You had never thought about it before then? Never. I, because people were, I, I was bouncing at clubs, I was, like I said, doing security, and people were like, man, you got a great, oh, another great story. <laughs> First of all, I was doing security on End of Days with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, okay. All downtown LA. Right there, and that's back, downtown used to be not as downtown as it is now. Yes. And it was basically a back lot for Hollywood, you know what I mean? So anytime we had a New York feel, they would just junk up an alley, you would get the, they would spend somebody, come and spray it down and get the urine out, and, you know what I mean? And so it was palatable, but we would use it as a set. And so I was watching this stuff, and Jeff Dawn, the super makeup artist that was Arnold's guy for years, he was like, hey man, they need you on set. And I was like, no, 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 sir, I'm security. He was like, dude, dude, you need to act. <laughs> he said, you have this amazing look. And I'm telling you, I, listen, I'm Arnold's makeup artist. That's what he told me. He was like, dude, you need to get in front of the camera. Because right now, I thought you were one of the actors. I was like, oh, thank you, that's cool. Bye-bye, sir. I thought he was hitting on me. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, I thought he was hitting on me. I did. I just got, you know what I mean? Like, you so cute. I was like, oh, all right, all right. I'll be over here, but you know, I'm married. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> you don't know, you know what I mean? You wonder. Because um, you think, you, you just start to wonder, so what's happening here? Yeah. And, um, and so, literally, now this is so, so great. Remember how I told you I was on next Friday? I ended up in Friday After, after Next. Next. Yes. End of Days was the movie Arnold did right before The Sixth Day, 
which was the first movie I ever got. Now you have to understand, we're shooting in Vancouver. I go on the trailer, the makeup trailer. It's my first day and I sit down and there's Jeff Dawn. Wow. And he says, dude, you look so familiar. I said, sir, you told me that I should try acting. And I remember when, he said, I remember that! He said, oh my God, I'm making people rich out here, you know? Isn't that crazy? Listen, it's, if, if you told it, first of all, people would say, if you put it in a movie or wrote it, people would say it's contrived. They would say, this is ridiculous. There's no way. I'm trying to tell you, truth is stranger mm -hmm. than Absolutely. fiction. Always, always. You, you bounce a ball, it lands in a cup. <laughs> what in the world? You know what I mean? And, and if you're in a movie, they go, oh, that would never happen. It always happens. Also, even crazier, if I'm not mistaken, Sixth Day was your first film audition. That's and it. you booked that? First, because what they were looking for, a tough guy. Yeah. They were looking for a tough guy. And I was coming off Battledome. I had the reputation. And, but the thing is, it was cool, too, because it was Sony. So, you know, it was kind of in the Sony yeah. family. And they were like, hey, this guy over here, he's real tough. And so I went in, and the, the lady was like, the, the uh, casting agent was like, yeah, you're pretty good. And I was like, okay, probably hitting on me. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but I'm thinking, you know, I, I never did a movie before. I never had done a movie. And I was like, well, if I get this, that would be great. And they literally told me, Terry, you got the movie. And I'm going, okay, wow. And I went home. I said, Arnold's going to kill me. Because you know, I'm thinking... You know, I get two days on a movie, sure. he's probably gonna shoot me, and, and it, I'll be a dead body and it'll be great. You know, like, I'm thinking, it's a little bitty role, it's not a big deal. First of all, it was a main role. Yeah. I had no idea. You gotta understand, I had no idea how to, this whole thing went. So I was tapped heartly into SAG. Okay, because the show that we were doing was after right. at the time, and they were all split. It was no SAG after, it was just two different things. And so I was like, oh my God, they're like, I flew up to Vancouver, they're like, dude, you're gonna be here for like four months. And I was like, what? Like, I'm in all these scenes, and I remember, because they didn't show us the script, they didn't have, we didn't have, it was just little bitty parts, and I was like, oh my God, I'm in all this movie. And then I got scared, because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what I'm doing. And what was funny is that they were like, okay, Terry, we're not gonna use you for two weeks. So you can go back home to L.A. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to go home. I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I stay here. I'll stay here. Because I was so used to getting cut in the NFL mm. that I felt like, oh, no, they're going to replace me. Yeah. And so you're talking about just panicky, panicky. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was like, oh, man, no, I'll stay. I'll stay. And I remember sitting in my room for two weeks straight. Just literally waiting for them to call me when I could have went home the whole time. Now they're like, you got a half a day. I'm like, I'm at home. I want to play. True. You know, <laughs> I'm back with the kids. And, and uh, But that, back in the day, I didn't know. And one of the best people of all time, I mean, to this day, Michael Rooker was best. on the movie. Yeah. And Michael taught me how to do everything. Like he, hit a mark? And oh, he was just like, Terry, when I move in here, he said, Terry, you, when I go to this plant, I need you to just come and take my place right there. I'll guide you through this thing, man. It's going to be good. And I'm telling you that, I mean, to this day, Mike is the, probably one of the most special people in my whole life. Yeah. Because every time I see him, he's just, I'm so proud of you, man. And, and, he, and I'm just like, dude, you gave me all the tools. He gave me yeah. all the keys. He, and he said, Terry, you got an itch? If you, if you have an itch, scratch it in the middle of the scene. He said, because you, you got to live it. Just go ahead and do it. 
Because I would be like, don't, eh, don't. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm scared. Oh, my God. I did my nose. My nose. And he was like, Terry, you're in the middle of the same way. Hey, look, look. And he was just showing me. This was like your acting class. Oh, you hadn't really studied, had you? Uh, no, I hadn't done anything. Yeah. I hadn't done anything. But I, what, my thing was, I was open because I needed this to work. Mm-hmm. When I tell you needed it, it was like, I don't want to be broke again. I don't want to sweep floors again. You know what I mean? And it was so like, here I am in this movie. And I'll never forget, I made $75,000 for that movie. And that was in 2000. And I was like, oh my God, this is like, and I, I'll never forget, it was like Y2K was going to happen. Oh, that's right, yes. All, I mean, that's the day, you know, it's crazy. You know, it was like, and, and everybody, well, I got some money. I got a little bit of money because the end of the world about to happen. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we was like, um, and, and Arnold and, and Maria Shriver was so nice to us and, and me and my family. And it was just, it was surreal. Yeah. And, I got more, so it just keeps going, but <laughs> well, I, I know you have more. So. No, I'm just curious if this was because you, I believe, co-wrote and produced a movie called Young Boys Incorporated. Was yeah. that, actually, we have a question um, from Mike Upchurch. Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, yeah. wants to know, can you discuss that first film, and do you think it was a good film? Because I do. Young Boys Incorporated. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's Young Boys Incorporated. That? Yeah, YBI, that's it. Uh, listen, first of all, um, it was... It was heartbreaking for me. It was a love of awesome, like, it was, this was, it was the moment I realized, because I was playing with the Redskins at the time, and I, uh, I had a partner named Derek Carr, who he wrote it, and, and we, I decided to produce it, and we were just getting kicked out of locations and doing all this crazy stuff. And we tried to piece it together. I tried to, I put all my money into it. He put all his money into it. We borrowed money, we took money. It wasn't good because you turn around and you're like, oh, you're, you're taking money from a lot of people mm-hmm. and you gotta pay this stuff back. And it was like, oh, so it got really, really antsy for a long time. And then we weren't able to finish. Oh, Because we ran out, I mean, we literally ran out of steam. I had. I had a big party for all these NFL players. They came, drank, drank, ate, and left, and didn't give me any money. And we showed them a trailer, and we were doing all this stuff. But this was the hardest. The hardest thing about it was that I moved to LA just to get it on and to really make it happen. And my partner at the time didn't trust me. Mm. He thought I was trying to get it all on my own. I'm like, dude, I got a family. I'm trying to make, out here making, I'm sweeping floors so we can get this movie on. And, I'm like, and he was like, you're trying to steal it from me. And I'll never forget, we had like this manager guy. And here I am starving, like, you know, everything I can do. And I walk, and he's like, we have a meeting. And I call, he called me into this meeting with this manager. And they're like, we feel you're trying to steal this, this film from us. And I was like, what is happening? I was like, dude, I moved my whole family out here for you, you know? And it was, a, now we're friends now. You and the manager, or you my and the friend, the, okay. the, the, no, the, the partner, because the partner yeah. teamed up with the manager and it got really, you know, it's just, this is, this is the reality too yeah. of what entertainment is, because everyone has this thing and they, they think, you're doing this and you're making this and you're, mm-hmm. this, you're on TV, you got a million dollars. I mean, a lot of you in here have acted before, so everybody who thinks they see you on a commercial, you make a million dollars. That's literally what everybody thinks. But they don't know it's ramen. 
You yeah. know what I mean? They don't know. They don't know. We were sharing the piece of chicken, you know? And uh, but what was happening is my friend was in Detroit thinking, I'm stealing this whole thing. And that's where it hurt. Yeah. And I had to abandon it. I personally had to abandon it. And it never got done. Like, I think it, if I had kept going and we would have been together, we would have finished it. Because I was just looking, I was finding my way. But that riff was so painful because I knew what my wife and I had sacrificed. Yeah. Like, my wife was risking everything. You know, it, I knew people who were like, my wife ain't leaving her family. And it, but my wife was like, whatever you do. She was the one who said, Terry, you always said you wanted to go to L.A. and make movies. We got young boys. Let's go. So we packed everything we had up. And I had uh, two little girls at the time. I have five kids now. Two little girls at the time loaded them up in the truck and moved to L.A. Didn't know a soul. Stayed in a... Uh, extended stay apartment hotel in Burbank. Was it Oakwood? No, it okay. wasn't Oakwood. <laughs> it was a, right now it's something else, but it was across the street from the Ralphs. And it, it was just a little bitty like bungalows. Mm. You know what I mean? We couldn't afford Oakwood. Wow. It was literally where we had like, they give you three dishes, two pieces of silverware, you know what I mean? And we were just, I mean, when I say scraping and crumbling, just trying to hold it together. And then for that to happen, that's why it was so painful. Yeah. But, but, it was the reason I got out here. You know what I mean? So when I look at it, I'm going, because let me tell you, it was some of those things I never regretted because I still had fun doing it. And we, we, we didn't make any money, we didn't do anything, but I was, uh, it's one of those things where I did it for the love. Mm -hmm. And it paid off. And it, and it paid off. It took it a while, but it, it paid did. off. It did. <laughs> I think a lot of us first saw you, and you mentioned Friday After Next, yeah. which I think was, was that 1999? Yeah, no. Was, no, 2002, I think. Um, and so you're working with Ice Cube, mm -hmm. as opposed to being his security person. Did you mention to him that you had been a security guy at one yeah, point? You, you know what? What was wild is that I did, and he was like, he, he tells the story now that I begged him as, to be an actor. <laughs> what? And I, I love Cube, though. You know, Cube, that's Cube, you know what I mean? But my thing is, is that, um, you know, I remember just when I went in for the audition, because I had been doing a couple things. I had done six days. Now, remember, everybody sit here and thinks like, oh, man, his first two gigs, he got it. He's doing it. I lived through the commercial strike, mm. and I lost my house. So we had got some things, we got a house, and it was a little house in Pasadena. And we had moved from Burbank to Pasadena, and we were trying to make it, and this was early 2000s. This was around 2002, 2000, 2001, 2002. And we couldn't pay it. We just couldn't pay it. And I remember losing it. Like, and it was so bad because it was, they were listed, and so people come to the door oh, all the time, God. just like, hey, hey, you want to lose, you want to sell? I was like, get away from me, leave me alone. The phone never stopped ringing. We were just like, oh my God, because we had to pay these bills. And, uh, but the thing is, with Cube and being a part of, of Friday After Next, I remember thinking, you know, I got to make this. I got to get in this job. I got to get this gig. So we went on, we had audition. And I hoped he remembered me. And I'll never forget, Cat Williams was sitting in a little office right there. And Cat was homeless at the time. You're kidding. You see, I got to understand, this is real. This yeah. is so real. 
It's, it's, I'm trying to tell you. People think, oh, he just fell out of the sky. No, man. We were, we were homeless at the time. He was homeless at the time. And we, we went in. I remember it was one of those things just like last time. Go in. Give it all you got. Don't hold back. And Q was sitting there, and this was the callback, and he was like, dude, you're pretty good, man. This is hot. This is hot. You did a good job in training day, too. Because right, in between a- that, I, I showed up for free on a set of training day. And the director, Antoine Fuqua, came up to me and said, hey, man, you want to be in this movie? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, go up to the roof, take your shirt off, man. You're going to be clipping pigeons. And I was the guy on the roof in yeah. training day. And then he said, come back every day for two weeks, and I'll find places to put you. And it ha- what happened was that night scene when Denzel is like, King Kong ain't got nothing on me, you know, whole thing. I was standing there the whole time in front of him. If you ever- I ruined training day for so many people. Because <laughs> they're like, that's the dude from White Chicks, man. Is- <laughs> hey, wait a minute. He ain't scary, you know. But, but back then, nobody knew me. And we were- it was all real game. Yeah. I was the only person on that set that wasn't a real gang member. Really? Oh, that was for real, for real. And uh, Bone was one of the, the, the gang corralers and the whole thing. He was one of the guys that Suge Knight actually ran over a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. Just to tell you, just a little background, um, <laughs> how real it got. Uh, and so we were out there, and, and, but I remember my mother, she saw me on the Academy Awards because they showed that scene. Oh, yeah. And she was like, baby, you're on the Oscars. You're at the Oscars. I'm not, I'm not at the Oscars. I was featured in a clip on the Oscars, you know. But I thought, and I say, at that time, I said, I'm done. Really? Like, I literally was like, this is it. Like, that was the, probably the best thing I'll ever do. That's what I was. At the wow. time, I was just going, man, I get to be in a big scene with Denzel. And I watched him, pre- pre- like, prepare and watched and studied and, and Antoine, the way, because everybody wanted to do the movie in Santa Clarita, like, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> and it was like, they wouldn't have it. They were like, yeah. we're going to do it right here. And I'll never forget what a family feeling it was. And it felt like young boys. And I was like, I'm here, I'm here. Like, <sighs> I get emotional because it's so special. Like, you just want to do something that makes a difference, you know? As an actor, as a performer, as anybody who's creative, what good does it do if nobody sees what you do? You know, you just want to be, like, I want that moment. Mm -hmm. And um, when I look back at those times, they seem hard. Like, I can tell you how hard it is, but I look back and I go, that was awesome. Like those were actually very, very good times. Because those were the purest. You were, you, it was pure, it was for the love. It was, it was just because you wanted to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And man, when I, I remember, and when Cube was like, you did a great job in training that. I was like, man, that had a part in, do, in getting this. And so when we went into Friday After Next, First of all, and I'm joking about Cube and other things, but Cube put so many people on. Mm-hmm. You have to understand, like, like Jamie Foxx and, and uh, Chris Tucker, myself, Cat Williams. I mean, every, I mean, there were so many superstars that came out of the Cube factory. Not even, that's not even counting the music guys that came out of that. You know what I mean? When you talk about, you're watching Boys in the Hood, 
I mean, this man was responsible for so much of what's happening right now. When you look at John Singleton's legacy and, and what it is to be, to have a voice and be ethnic and say, uh, have your story told. I mean, that was unheard of. Mm -hmm. At the time, it was unheard of. And Cube was so raw and so real. And he wrote Friday. He wrote it. That's right. And the fact that to come from Boys in the Hood and decide to do a comedy was just like the riskiest thing ever. Because everybody just wanted him to go back into them, like, you know, drama and the whole thing. And he was like, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show the funny side. And I thought this was genius. Now, when I got the chance to do Friday after next, it was viewed as the castaway. Because Friday was a classic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Friday's a classic. How are you gonna mess up? They're like, all y'all, all y'all gonna do is mess it up. <laughs> this is what everybody told us, right? And and then next Friday was it did its thing, and and we were like, man, where are we gonna be? And I remember this is this is another one of those moments. Cat Williams and I, we decided, we said, you know, man, I remember because we were both trying to make it. I had just lost my home and trying to make it back. And he was homeless. So he was, I looked at him and he looked at me. He said, hey man, we gotta make something that no one will ever forget. Like ever. I said, you right. I said, I'm going all in. He said, me too, bruh. Me too. And we made a pact. I remember we made this pact like, because what was weird is that <clears throat> when you're new on a scene, especially with comedians, Sometimes everybody's a little afraid of who's going to get the joke, and then yeah. it, it gets. I, I, that's why I, I learned that competition doesn't work, especially as an actor. You cannot be competing. You must be creative. It kills all creativity, 100%. If you're competing with another actor, it's a wrap. It is. It is. You are all. You have to help your guys. You have to help everyone. The crew. The people. Stand there for the lighting. Do whatever you have to do to make sure. You're a family, you know what I mean? I, I, when I look at Brooklyn Nine-Nine right now, that's, how, that's one reason why we're so successful. But when going back then, nobody had knew, they didn't know that. So there were a lot of people that were like, what they doing, well, who y'all? And we were like, hey man, I'm just here to do my deal. We had this little trailer and I remember I was trying to take a nap so I was just going, because I couldn't lay down, you know what I mean? And you had a seat that doubled as yeah. the toilet. Oh my God. <laughs> You're like, okay, you know. Um, and, but I didn't care because nobody looks at the trailer. Yeah. Nobody looks at where you where your your you know where you're accommodated. You could have you have a trailer this big. If the movie sucks, you don't do a good job. Nobody cares. And so I just decided, okay, we're gonna go in. And we did one thing is we did this scene for those of you who've seen the movie, where it is so kind of foretells a lot of. <laughs> what happened to me. And it's weird because back then, it's so wild because back then, and through most of human history, male sexual assault was a joke. That's the whole thing. And we, we kind of did, but we didn't do it as a joke. Mm -hmm. But even the people started to laugh. But when we were doing the scene, we did, if you had, to, if you literally, there was no music, there was no nothing. There were people that were like, oh my God. It's just the scariest scene ever. If you turn the sound down, <laughs> it's absolutely frightening. Yeah, it's a horror film. It's a horror movie. And I'm attacking him. And I'm, I'm basically, I am uh, this guy named Damon who's trying to rape this pimp. 
And it's, I know, it, it was wild at the time because he was, he was misogynistic and he was calling women hoes, the whole thing, and they were going to reverse it on And he takes these pliers and he grabs me and does this stuff, and, but he's slapping me for real, like, and the movie, people were going, what the hell? All the comedians on the set, they were like, oh my God, like, we were gone. When I say, when I tell you gone, sweat, crying, he was in tears, for real. Wow. You see his hair, he's like, oh, you, you thought you was just gonna take it, huh? <laughs> Let me tell you, that was the moment everything transcended. Like, there's yeah. a moment where you got a movie and it's funny, and then it went, what is happening? Yeah. And everyone was like, I'll never forget at the premiere, all the people were like, what is this? Like, but, but it was, and, and again, as wild as that was, everyone was like, you guys are never gonna be the same. Mm -hmm. Like, you, the ability to take it there, the what you showed. And that's when I also learned a lot about just giving, giving, giving. Don't hold back because what happens is you, you you know, you, to get energy, you have to give it. Mm -hmm. As an actor, you have to give, 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 give. And the problem is, is you don't know if you're going to get it back. So, you, so, so what happens is you hesitate. You feel like, uh, uh, you know, they may not give it back to me. But never, ever, ever, ever. Just give. Give. And all of a sudden, it opens up. It starts to release everything. And every, everybody's like, oh, okay, it's cool, it's cool. But when everybody's all tight and not giving, but let me tell you, that movie... And Q came up to me, he said, he said, hey man, the first, he said, the first part of that movie, the like the first, out of three acts, the first act of that movie is me and Micah. He said, y'all took the whole rest of the movie. Wow. And he said, I produced it. I'm telling you, man, y'all did it all. That was like the biggest compliment yeah. I could get from Ice Cube. I was like, man, thank you, thank you. And me and Cube have been friends ever since. And, uh, but it was the start. I mean, everybody watched that thing. It was yeah. I had the Wayans brothers watching. I had Chris Rock watching. A lot of people that I ended up working with watched right after next, and they were like, "That guy." Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was one of those moments. Oh, absolutely. I'm sorry. Yeah, we all been good. We out of time. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got. Like I said, it's gonna be easy. You got so an easy, easy. day. Um, actually, I'm curious. When did you realize you had a facility for comedy? And. Uh, Sheila had yeah, a question, yeah. Hi. Hey, hey, how you doing? I wanted to know if you were a comedian in the football locker rooms. Yes. Ah. Yes. Everything I got, I got from the locker room. Everything, everything. Because I, I, I'm stealing from old players that I still, that I remember. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, oh that guy, that. Because there were so many boisterous, you talking about, the term alpha is kind of crazy, but these were the biggest personalities you could ever see. And they never thought they were funny, but we were like, oh my God, look at this dude. <laughs> they were cartoons. They were human cartoons. Hey man, what's up dog? Where you was, man? And you're like, what? Did he just say that? Did he just say where you was? I mean, and I was like, oh, I'm using that somewhere. You know what I mean? Um, but there were characters, there were people that were big and boisterous and mean and, then we had, you had a locker room full of preachers, and then you had locker rooms full of rapists. I'm just telling you, we had drug dealers, we had gang members. There were guys that would literally make a tackle, throw up a gang sign, and you were like, damn, dude. Like, yeah. whoa. Let me, I'll never forget, I, I, in the NFL, I remember not, the guy knocked on my door in camp. I was on the, on the Green Bay Packers. 
I opened the door up, and this dude had a desert eagle pointed dead in my face. What? And I was like, oh, man, what is going on? And let me tell you, when you have a gun pointed in your eyeballs, you just start, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I know I peed a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just, oh, oh, oh boy, okay. <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to die. And all I could think of was my family and the whole thing. And he was like, Man, I'm just playing with your ass. God. I'm just playing with your ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, man, come on, let's go to camp. Let's go to practice. Like, okay. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. Bite him? <laughs> you see, this is one thing I learned, too, is that you have to also know when to not be tough. Uh-huh. What's what you going to do? Hey, man, what are you... He's going to shoot you. Yeah. He has a gun. And if he didn't get you there, he'll get you later. I mean, it, it doesn't end. And I was like, I learned a long time ago, okay, you win, bruh. You won that one. And just let me go home alive. You know what I mean? Let me find my way home. But these are characters that I picked up in and had fun with. And let me tell you something. There was times when I had the whole bus cracking up. Yeah. And I remember those times. But I'm not a comedian. I never would stand up, but I knew to just give it up. You know what I mean? Have fun and, and be that guy, sing that song, do that thing. And when you can make all these players the hardest gangster guys and they're just cracking up, you oh man, you funny, man. You, <laughs> oh, no. I was going to shoot you, but you funny. <laughs> uh, that was, and I used it. And you know what? Now, as an actor, I want to tell you how that flipped. Because when I started, I was like bad guy. You know what I mean? Big, super strong. They wanted me to do action movies and this kind of thing. And the twist was, was actually Friday After Next. Even though it still was tough, they saw the willingness to go there. And I did a movie called Malibu's Most Wanted. Yes. And I, it was like, I was supposed to be you know, one of the tough guys that had my do-rag on and the whole thing. Now that's. This is the thing, like, you know, as a black actor in Hollywood, you know, you're gonna be a criminal, you're gonna be a murderer, you're gonna be, you know, that was the first job back in the day. In that time, it was like, you on CSI, guess what? <laughs> that was, we working, we working, we gonna eat. You know, they, they killed Sam Jackson several times over the 80s, you know what I mean? <laughs> on the same show, that's how you got in. Uh, Did you know? <laughs> I know, she's like, I'm back, you know? <laughs> I was actually looking at your filmography and uh, four movies in a row, you're, you're, these were your character names. Big Bartender, Eight Ball, Big T, and Bouncer. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was, everybody thought, saw I was gonna be that dude. But what would happen is I would do a little funny thing. And they would go, wait a minute, what was that? What was that? <laughs> and I remember they were had a little scene and that they were and it was a dance thing in Malibu's Most Wanted and I was doing this crazy dance. <laughs> and they were like, oh my God, do that again. And I just kept going and they were like, whoa. And they kept adding things and kept giving me little pieces. And and this was, I was behind um, our Damian Wayans who is actually uh, uh, Sean and Marlon's um, nephew. Oh, okay. And he was, he was acting and he writes and stuff. He actually directed a dance movie and the whole thing. And he's, he's brilliant talent. And so I was like 
behind him doing my thing. And the moment that it changed for me, now again, it, it, this is not apropos, but I'm going to do it here. <laughs> the, there was a scene where Jamie Kennedy was talking to his dad, played by, um, I forget, Ryan. Oh, uh, Ryan uh, O'Neill. Yeah, Ryan O'Neill. Yeah. And so I, I look at him, I'm like, I wish I could talk to my pops like that. And I, I'm going to call that nigga right now. <laughs> now, that was an ad lib. It was an ad lib. And everybody went, oh, my God. They cracked up. They laughed. They were like, oh. And that was like a moment. They were like, wait a minute. This dude, because I just came out of me, because it was natural. It was just like, that's, it was coming out. I was like, I'm going to call that nigga right now. And everybody flipped. But this is the twist, I, and I gotta, I'm gotta. i gonna tell this story just because it needs to be told. You know, they wanted to do reshoots. Oh, really? And what was, and then again, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not mad about it, I'm not, I'm not twisted up about it, but it's just the reality of what this thing is. So everybody knows, that, you know, Hollywood, it's like we're so free and we love everyone, but, but it can be really, really racist <laughs> when, when, you know, when you don't know. And so we, we were doing reshoots, and they, the joke hit so big in the test audience, they decided they were going to do a whole run on it. Ooh, ooh. And I remember, I was like, man, it's more work, and I had I had my guts going. I was like, it's more work, all right, it's more work. And they had a bigger dude than me playing my father. He was like, nigga, you will always be this nigga's nigga. Oh. And I was like, whoa, thank you. And I saw Blair Underwood was over there having a coat. He was like sipping a, something. He was like, what did I do? <laughs> and I couldn't look him in the eye. I was like, oh, man. And I felt so, and I remember after it was over, I was like, man, I felt horrible. Like, I was like, that is not good. Did it make the cut? I don't actually remember no, that part from the movie. No, oh, no, okay. it didn't. It okay. didn't. But the fact that they filmed it. Yeah. And what was weird, you remember when Dave Chappelle quit the business? Oh, yeah. All the white guys were cracking up. And I was like, that's not good. And it instantly went from, whoa. I mean, an ad lib that was really pure and, and kind of meant something to me. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, y'all laughing a little too hard. <laughs> and you go, ooh. And I, and I did it. I mean, I, that's the, as an actor, you just feel like, but that's one of those moments where you're like, oh man, like, if I could take that back, you know? But I didn't, uh, and sometimes I go back and I go, I should have made a stand. I should have been like, ah. <sighs> and that one got away. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was a lesson. I was like, I'll never, I'll, if I feel that again, you don't, you, don't, yeah. you don't have to do it. But I have to also say, that was pre-therapy for me oh, too. Really? Because uh, there were a lot of things I felt like, I, hey man, I gotta do it. I'm, you know, I'm an actor. I gotta do what they tell me to do. But it was like, no, you don't. my therapist was like, no, you don't. <laughs> I was like, yes, I do, because I'm acting. And they were like, no, no, I didn't get another job. I was like, but, but I can't, because they, they picked me. And I was like, she said, Terry, you don't. You mm -hmm. can say no. And I was like, what? Because you gotta understand, coming from football and you're doing all these, you know, they, they run your butt in there and you just go and yeah. you get a concussion and it's for the team and for my pocketbook, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And you are, you're already giving up so much so you don't learn, the, you don't even know the, the, the boundaries anymore. You're just gonna, okay, okay, there's a, one thing about 
getting into your role, but then there's another thing when giving up your soul. You know what I mean? And I was like, hmm. And I didn't know the difference. It started to get really confused. But now, I mean, it seems like you're in a position now where you're constantly giving back through advocacy. You wrote a wonderful article for Fatherly yes, about yes. Um, teaching your son about competition. Right. Um, you know, obviously you've been very outspoken about um, sexual harassment and abuse. Is that, you know, is that something that has always been a part of you or that, you know, you were able to learn to find that voice? You know, what's been a part of me is just demystifying. Mm -hmm. I never really got off on looking like I know what's up. You know what I mean? Like, I had no problem telling people I don't know. You know, like, I don't know. Let's figure it out. Because this is another thing, too. Growing up in Flint, Michigan, I had a lot of questions. I would always be like, so what does this mean? What did they be like, shut up? You know, and everyone was like, be quiet. One day you'll find out, and no one would tell me anything. And it was one of those things where you're like, when I grow up, I'm going to actually tell somebody when they, the things that I know. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason I wrote my book, Manhood, was just to be like, look, this is what I went through. If it helps you, cool, but tell it. Like, you gotta understand, in my, in, where I come from, there were so many secrets. Like, there were, this is so, I'm gonna tell you what was so wild. In my own family, I had an aunt, and there was a guy who would come and do the lawn and the whole thing, and, and I was a little kid, and she loved us. I mean, she was like, we were her sweeties, and oh, this auntie, and she was really old, and all this, and, and it, I didn't know till I was an adult that that dude who did her lawn was her son. What? This is, you talk about secrets, like what? That's your son? Oh yeah, yeah, that's CL, that's my son. He was doing the lawn. I'm trying to tell you that's how deep it got, where we ain't telling you nothing. And I was going, man, so I vowed, if someone asks me, and, and dude just really wants to know something, I'll tell you what I know. And if you can use it, Cool, that's one reason why I'm sitting here right now. I, I, I learned to be really, really just transparent. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it takes a while because when you're competing with other people, you never can be transparent. You know what I mean? Because you're going to give away the secrets. But when I learn to be creative, you tell everybody the secret. So we can make a better piece. It, so we can make something really good. You know what I mean? So now... Everybody knows how to get in there, knows how to tr try this thing and do this thing. And when you make a joke and it doesn't hit, it's okay. Let's try it again. Instead of, uh, I remember being said when you say a joke and then, oh man, that's terrible. You never get another joke. It kills. It's like, ah, it just smashes the comedy. And everybody wonders why that project didn't work. You know what I mean? Why wasn't it funny? One guy was funny, but everybody else was not there. And so I realized, let me, I'm going to just tell it. And I want that to be my legacy. I want that to be like, hey man, I, and I'll tell you this, everybody in here knows way more about me than I know about you. <laughs> All the way, you know what I mean? From my addictions, my problems, my issues. I came out about a pornography addiction uh, years ago because I said, and this is the thing, you can only tell that stuff when you overcome it. You can't tell it yeah, while you're right, in it. while you're going through it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's the problem. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? You can't be in the club talking about, I got a pornography <laughs> That don't work. Uh, <laughs> but when I did that, it was a, they, a Facebook Live gave me a little, like, 
they were like, it was really early on Facebook, and they were like, try this new app out, you know? And I got on there, and I was like, you know, maybe this will help about two, 3,000 people. Oh my God. <laughs> the next day, when I was there, you know, I talked about it, and you know, I mean millions upon millions. Every major news outlet wanted me in New York the next day. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And I said, you know what? Watch the video. I didn't have to go. Yeah. I was like, watch the video. It's early days of social media. Remember now, like, I was there during the, the whole MySpace era. I mean, literally. Oh, sure. And so you just go, oh, man, now we can say it. We have our power. I mean, even for every actor out there, when I look at Instagram, I look at what the Facebook, or even just the ability to actually put something out there on your own, that's, it's really, really powerful. And, and I had my own voice, and I realized that unless someone tells, no one will ever get help. Mm -hmm. It's because everyone will feel like they're alone. Mm -hmm. They will. Yeah. When you spoke out about your assaults, were you surprised by, I mean, what I saw was an overwhelmingly positive reaction and lots of support. And I'm sure there were times where maybe you didn't feel supported like by your own agency, but um, were you surprised by the outpouring of love? I, I was super shocked. Um, what was really strange is that that was the, I, I knew that was the end of my career. You have to understand, I was like, it's over. The first thing I did when I came home, and I said, babe, um, you been on Twitter? <laughs> she was like, why should I have been? I was like, ooh, sit down. <laughs> I was like, ah, I think we want to pack our bags. You know, she was like, what are you? I said, honey, I told, I told about Bennett. Cause she was there. She said, what did you do? I said, I told, I told what happened. She said, oh no, it's over. I said, I know. And I said, what are we gonna do? And she said, you know what? We did, we moved on from football. We can move on from this. We'll just do something else. I said, you're right, you're right. And then we sat there very, very sad for a long time, knowing that something that we love is probably ripped from us. And the weird thing was the next day, because it was just so many reactions, so many people. I remember getting support. James Vanderbeek hit me yeah. up. And he was like, man, that happened to me too, man. I was like, whoa, okay, okay. And what, what I realized though, for, for so long, for eons, it was a women's issue. And for the first time, I think, even though people had seen or known or whatever, by me including myself into it, it turned it into a 3D thing. Like, it was 2D. And everybody was like, oh my God, there's a whole other side of this. And it's held up into a 3D deal. And everybody was like, oh, whoa, him, what? And first of all, it got, I got denial. People were like, he's jumping on this so he can get paid. I was like, has First anyone of all, ever gotten money out wait, of accusing someone? What you gotta understand is if you told, that, there's no money. You yeah. can, money's for silence. <laughs> you don't get paid for telling. Yeah. Nobody ever got paid for telling. You get paid for being quiet. 
that's the whole point. So anytime everybody, anybody has already talked about it, they're not getting any money. I didn't get any money. I won my case. I didn't get a Z, I didn't get a dime. All I got was my lawyer fees back. That's it. I spent $400,000 of my own money. And I was going, I literally, I was going on Facebook like, I will spend $1 million to win $1. As I didn't care anymore. Because they created that whole system. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know what was scary? It's just, it was just, no one knew what to do. They were a little bit like, this is William Morris Endeavor. This is the most powerful agency in the world. And they control so much. And I said, and I knew it. And it got scary because these guys know a lot of people. When I went to the, when I made the police report, TMZ was waiting for me when I walked out. I was like, how's that happen? Wait a minute, you guys got hotlines. People are getting paid to tell all our business. And I said, wait a minute. See, this is when you start to realize that the people you are paying to protect you are actually the one. Listen, I gotta tell you another story. <laughs> part of the hustle, part of the hustle, when you're a security guard or bodyguard, what you do is you create, now I never did this, never, but you create a, a disturbance. You go out and beat some innocent guy up. And then come back, hey, man, that guy, was, he was going to mess you up, man. And go, oh, thank you, thank you. And then that's your guy forever. Mm -hmm. That's what some of these agents do. They create these disturbances. All of a sudden, you wonder how, this has been going on for all the years of Hollywood. There are people who used to tap phones. They used to get up on the top of the phone lines, learn all the stars' business, and then come back and use it against them. This is the agencies. Your agency, yep. And they went nuts trying to find dirt on me. Everybody they were like, oh, and it was clean. Because I'd, I'd already yeah. told my stuff. You told Facebook. I wrote a book. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote a book. I was like, read manhood. You want to know where all my dirt is? It's right there. But imagine if you had one thing. Mm -hmm. Keeps you quiet. Keeps you, ah. Remember that one time you took that cocaine at that party? Damn it. <laughs> and they go, oh, I'm not going to say anything. And they know all your dirt. And they would go to find it. would be people following me. We had our phones tapped. I'm just being real with you. And I said it. I, people thought I was going crazy. Listen, the day after I went, I went on Good Morning America with Mike Strahan, told the story. The next day, the next day, Radar Online, which is owned by the National Enquirer, it, they came up with a story that I had all these prostitutes at the Monaco Film Festival and the whole thing, and I was actually on a second honeymoon with my wife. <laughs> and they sent me a text saying, we're gonna go live with this story. We, and they wanted me to be quiet about Adam Bennett. So what I did, I took the wire that they sent me and I put it on Twitter. I was like, look at what they're doing. <laughs> and everybody went, ah! Listen, they were like, oh, damn. I, I went on the Terry Crews press tour. <laughs> I was on Dr. Phil. I was on Megyn Kelly before she left. <laughs> I did Today Show. I did every, I did a whole tour just saying, this is what happened. This is what they're doing. This and then and then and they were like, stop. <laughs> Finally, Adam Bennett decided I got to, I'm going to retire. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> it's a wrap. But 
I, one thing I understood, and, and it's funny because Jeff Bezos took a, a little bit out of the, the page that I did because the same That's people, right. owned it. the same yep. people tried to do that to him. Really? And he was like, oh, I'm going to do what Terry did. And I'm going to put it out there just like that. Because this is the thing, these secrets, people, they, this is, I, I realize that you, and I'm, now this is another thing, I do not encourage anyone to go public with any kind of abuse or harassment because it's too hard. Literally, it's like flying a plane from New York to LA and you've never flown a plane before. Mm. It's brutal, you're gonna crash. And what my, my, my thing is, is, I had went through years of therapy and I had people to talk to and my wife and my therapist and my doctors and people were, were like telling me, Terry, this is what you need to do. You need to, I, I remember just saying, I will not be shamed. I did nothing wrong. And I kept repeating it over and over. Because the shame is saying, the next day I went, there was a GQ party. And I was like, I'm going. And all, everybody saw me come out of the car. They were like, oh, it's him. Because the whole shame thing is like, he just yeah. came out with this. And I was like, hey, everybody. Hello. And I did my red carpet jump like I always do. And they were like, he's not, he's not sad. He's not depressed, he's not hiding. And I kept talking and kept going forward. I kept going in because I didn't do anything. Right. Right. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And there was nothing for me to be shamed about. And that's what they count on. Mm -hmm. They count on, this is how you get manipulated. They count on you being shamed. And if anybody in here has ever, ever had anything like that happen to you, you know what I mean, you did nothing wrong. Do not internalize that, okay? Because I'm, I'm here to tell you, I mean, and we're in the business. This casting couch is real. You know what I mean? That's people, I remember trying, when I was doing security, and everybody were like, this is why I didn't like when people would say, you should be an actor and all this. Right. Because there were guys who called, I was like, oh man, this guy wanted me to model. And he was like, you know, you take your shirt off and do some sexy pictures. I was like, oh man, dude, ugh. Uh, you know what I mean? And that was, that's, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. And these guys, these bottom feeders will always be around. You know what I mean? And I just, when I got to a point where people were real, and people were really doing big things, it was like, oh God, you know what I mean? But there's a point where we all have to go through that. At some time where you're like, what does he just mean? Like, hey man, you like the party? I'm like, yeah, I like the party. I, no, not that. <laughs> what are you, wait, wait, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? And you have to be clear and concise. But I knew by opening up, I knew that this was, like I said, I would never tell anybody to do it publicly, but it was my purpose. Yeah. Like I discovered it was more important than the movies, it was more important than entertainment. And what happened, the magic that happened, oh, then, I gotta tell the story, it's great. <laughs> Oscars, the Academy Awards, and all these parties. And this was the first year of the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I remember going into a party, and going to an event, and the room split down the middle. There were people who ran from me, and there were people who came to me. And what I realized was that for every when you make these kind of stands, it splits every, it's literally like the, the bad people run, mm -hmm. but the good people come. See, cause that's the thing, you think you're gonna be all alone, but I wasn't. Actually, there were people who were like, 
thank you. I was like, whoa, this is different. I was, I was empowered by that. And I'll never forget this major producer. He was like, yeah, Jerry, this is cool, man. You're doing your thing. But his wife, his wife came over to me. She grabbed my hand. Me and my wife was standing there. She was in tears. She was like, it happened to me, Terry. Thank you. Thank you. For you're doing this for us. I could never tell. And she's big time. Like, they, they, if, you, if I told you, you'd be like, what? But that's how I knew. I said, oh, my God. This is bigger than anything. We have, I said, we, this is when I knew it was my purpose. This is when I knew that I have to do this. And it, and it just fueled me and kept me going. And, and I look at this thing, and I'm telling you right now, this town, what happens is, it, it, now that everybody knows, it gets driven underground, you know what I mean? That's, that's just the way things are. It's kind of like racism, you know what I mean? Everybody, oh, we love each other, but it just gets driven a little bit deeper. But what I know, though, is that it's safer today. Oh, yeah. It's much, much, it's never 100% safe, but it is safer than it was. Because somebody knows you are not, someone's going to tell eventually. All your secrets are not going to stay with these people. Whereas for years, for, I just, when I did the Senate talk, and I remember feeling so nervous for a minute. It was wild, because now I'm in Washington, D.C., and I was going to speak to the Senate and the whole thing about sexual assault. And, and this was so wild, because the lady who runs the whole thing, Rise, this, this uh, sexual assault uh, bill of rights is what she was fighting for. Her name is Amanda Wynn. She's an astronaut. She's a Harvard graduate, and she's a rape survivor. They wouldn't listen to her until she had an actor, a major name. They, they wouldn't listen to her. So that's what Hollywood is for. Mm -hmm. And so here she brings a man, nonetheless, because they were women who've been talking about this forever. I walked in there. Now, this is the thing. This was wild because it, it reminded me of like a, the moment even when I went in audition, I felt like I could feel the souls and spirits of millions of people who never got a chance to speak. Let me tell you, it took me over. I was not there. When you look at it, I, it was like, it was like all these millions of people was just like, we need to funnel in. And you're the only voice that we're gonna have, and you're gonna say this. And man, I'm gonna tell you, it just was so important. It was bigger than me, it was bigger than what this thing is. And, and it just was like, man, I'm, I'm representing this. And it was so powerful that it took me days to recover from. Like, you know, you just feel drained. I literally slept for like four days. Wow. Yes, thank you. you know Can I, I mean? add to the chorus of thank yous? Oh, no. Thank you. I get all weepy. Oh. <laughs> it is so special. Um, something else that uh, uh, makes me cry, but I think also brings you joy. I really want to talk about your work on America's Got Talent. Yeah. Did you guys see the clip of the violin player? Oh, man. Oh, my God. Hey. I'm still recovering. And you are such, I mean, you're such a perfect host for it. You, you, you really feel invested in these people, but how do you not get like 
emotionally turned inside out every single time. I, I, I do. Yeah. There is no not get turned. I'm all in. I am sold out. Like I'm crying now. <laughs> I'm on that set backstage. Like, oh, my God. I mean, I can't help it because it reminds me of me. Yeah. I remember, listen, I, la, even last week, we had this guy, Joseph Allen, oh. and he made me promise. He said, if I get the golden buzzer, you're going to go out there and pick me up. <laughs> I said, man, I'll throw you across the stage. Get out there. <laughs> and let me tell you something. When he won, I, it felt like me. When I got that first job and we were hungry and I got, it was a, we could eat. Yeah. And I said, these people, it's better than money. It's better than money. Because you can give people money and they spend it and it's done. But when you give somebody that kind of light, that dream gets fulfilled. Like when I was watching myself on the Academy Awards, I was like, that's it. That's it. Yeah. If that's it, then this is it. It's, I made an impact. I was there. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's what it is for these people. Like all these acts and all these stories, all these wonderful stories of people who give people literally sleeping in their cars for the dreams. Hey man, I know what it's like to drive across country, don't know what's gonna happen. You know what I mean? And I'm like, you did it! And I, I'm telling you, listen, first of all, that show, I feel like that show was made for me. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I like, love watching you <laughs> watch when they get their yeah. news. Yeah. It, there has never been something more satisfying to me. Because another thing is I'm the biggest ham of all time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh my God! Because this is another thing, it, feel, it fulfills the football need. Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't play football for the money. You really don't. It's too much. It's too hard. You play for the cheers. The people, the energy. It's still a performance. You catch a catch and you make a touch. You feel that energy. People watching the NBA Finals, you hit that last second shot. Pow! <sighs> Let me tell you, that's what you live for. And the money comes. But when you do that stuff, but you're living for that. We're all connected. Every person, everybody is connected. And when I get out on that stage and you feel that energy and people are standing ovations for people, you just go, man, this fulfills me in so many ways. And you guys, all of you know what it feels like because I'm sure as performers, when you get a taste, you can't stop. It's really good. You know what I mean? That's because it's pure. And that's because it doesn't come with any bad aftertaste. You know what I mean? As a great performer, a great play. This is why I see people who do plays over at night. I want to do theater eventually oh, because yeah. I see just that attention and that kind of thing. And with me, for with AGT, it, it's so fulfilling. And these guys are amazing. What's Tape Face really like? Oh. <laughs> you know what? He never talked to me. Are you serious? He still never talked I to me. I thought he's it like, was a bit. He, he's, he's, um, when you talk about these guys, that are 100% all in. He's amazing. And, and, and let me say, I've been learning lessons on creativity because I study it. I study what it takes because this is another thing. When these guys are backstage, this is probably the biggest performance they've mm -hmm. ever done in their life. Like some people literally have performed in high school gymnasiums and then they end up on AGT. And you feel like you are in the valley of the shadow of death. But it's my job to tell them it's just a shadow. It's a shadow. It's not, you're not going to die. It's a shadow. And you can see them go, whoa, 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 you're right. Wait a minute. You know, you got to listen to the whole thing. 
Because people think, yeah, valley of death, and no, it's a shadow of death. So when you get out there, know you're in the light now. And it's like, now, this is the moment you've been waiting for. And boy, when you see it come on, and they, I was like, go out there! And they run out there, and they do their thing, and then they kill it. And when they come back off, you're like the first boy, first yeah. face that they see when they come back, and you're like, how was it? And they're like, it was good, <laughs> you know? You want, listen, it's like a meal. It's literally like the yeah. best meal you've ever had. You can see it in their face. It's like, I remember like, when I go, I, I remember doing White Chicks. When I went, was doing White Chicks, I did that scene in the car one time. <laughs> one time. But I went home. And I kept replaying it because it was so good. And I couldn't sleep all night because it was just like, I did it perfect. You ever have a performance that you, you did it exactly the way you wanted to do it? I mean, as an actor, you guys know when you do it just the way you wanted to do it, that's what happens on AGT when you see these guys and they did it exactly. Now, I've seen it when they didn't. And then my job is to encourage them, pull them up. Because somewhere in there, they believed the shadow. They got nervous or something happened that they didn't want it to happen. And you go, ah. And I want to encourage them to keep going because this is another thing. Because I know America wants blood. America likes competition. Yes. They're not going to have where, you know, everybody's just happy. No, you got to die. <laughs> and, 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 but I have to tell them that just by being on the show, you won. Mm -hmm. yeah. You won. You already won. And the people who get it, they get it. You go out there and it's like, we had this guy, uh, Seth Ward, he, he out there played a walrus. He was yeah. a walrus and a giraffe, but he won. He won. He got booed off. He's like, ooh. <laughs> if you ever see it, it's the funniest, most wonderful thing ever. And you go, I said, man, he won. Like to me, they're all beautiful. And the, the fact that they had the courage to get out there yeah. and give it all they had, so beautiful. I mean, I just wonder where you find the time because you're on Brooklyn Nine-Nine full time. Um, and I, that's a you know, single camera show. Uh, I imagine you must have crazy hours. Well, you know, when you get rid of a pornography addiction, <laughs> you find you have a lot of time. I was like, man, what am I gonna do? Okay, I'll go do AGT. I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. you. You know what? Think about it. Think about this. I worked at a bar. I worked uh, the door. And I was like, man, these dudes come right out of work. They here. I mean, they literally been here since 6. I'm here since 2 in the morning. Yeah. I was like, they've been here the whole time. I said, man, you know you can get another job in that time. You can have a whole other career in that time. This is where your vices get in the way. And I realized that, wait a minute, like, when you get rid of that, and again, I have to bring up Sam again, because he's one, he's one of my heroes. Sam, you know, he was addicted to crack. Mm. And he doesn't make any addiction, it makes any uh, bones about it. But when he stopped, he get, just kept working. Yeah. He's the most <laughs> prolific actor who's ever lived. Because he's like, man, okay, I got rid of that. What am I gonna do now? <laughs> and, he, and he still gets golf in. He still, uh, in like four or five movies a year, and it's just, um, you can do more than you think yeah. you can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, your ensemble on Brooklyn Nine-Nine is <sighs> so flawless. Everyone is so wonderful. Um, I, it's the hardest part just not laughing and ruining takes. Oh my God. First of all, we truly, truly are a family because 
you know, we laugh like crazy. I mean, we, we, there are tears blowing, the whole thing. And everybody's like, okay, we got to go home. <laughs> you know, because you know, you're like, ah, okay, wow. You know, it's been that late. Uh, but when, when Andy sets the tone, and then, now I gotta got say this, Andy sets the tone, but Andre Brower. Oh. The gravitas, you're talking about the man is so amazing. Um, he is truly one of the best actors of our generation, period, period. And then he gets in a pigeon outfit. <laughs> and you go, oh my God! The, the, the humility, the willingness, yeah. It's to me. I mean, I I've done other like dramas like CSI and everything, and you saw stars that were like, I'll never do that, and you're like, oh yeah, you know, or I, I everything was beneath them, yeah. and you kind of go, uh huh. But when you look at Andre, the willingness to be this brilliant Emmy award-winning actor here, but then to go and do this brilliant comedy over here, to me, the legacy is set. Mm -hmm. Because you, you know, that's what this, the symbol of a great actor is the drama and the comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the, the comedy is hard. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, everybody knows what makes people cry, but nobody can agree on what makes you laugh. That's a hard thing. You know what I mean? And it's like, when you see, this is why I also see great, great comedic actors can go do drama. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, when you look at Jamie Foxx, he just goes on a dime. You're like, what? Will Smith, or Robin Williams, like it's nothing. Um, and when I look at uh, just what Andre does, you go, that's why he's so brilliant. And, and I, you know, there are times, again, I feel like, because when I'm sitting there with him, I look and I go, oh man, I'm an old football player. <laughs> because he, because he really knows his stuff. Right. He know, he'll, he'll, I remember I'm like, I'll say the line, and he'll go, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't get to Flatbush from this time in the script because it would take too long. I was like, huh? Really? Like, and he would, he would literally say, that would take you an hour. And here in the script, it says five minutes. That would, we, we can't do that. And I was like, oh, come on, damn. But I also learned that that's the key to informing your performance. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh. So I'm picking up all this stuff now. My career has really, really been, it's not that I'm that good. It's literally because I have worked with the best in the business. I've, listen, everybody hates Chris. I'm there with Chris Rock, Tashina Arnold. These people are legends. I mean, when I say good, I mean good. The Sandler, the Sandler clan. I've done almost seven movies oh. with these guys. He wrote Longest Yard. Yes, yeah. Oh yeah. my God, Longest Yard. We did uh, Blended. We did. I mean, every time he was doing something, he called me. And then I, I mean, I was with Stallone and Expendables. You know what I mean? All the big guys and you know Bruce Willis and Van Damme and you know uh, Dolph Lundgren. It was just I have worked with the best. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it with Eddie Murphy. You know what I mean? This is not. It's, it's hard to look bad when you're working with people who are that good. Uh, Q, um, and even now, when you look at Andre and Andy, and, and listen, on AGT, you gotta look, the man who made it is Simon Cowell. Yeah. I'm on a number one show in the world. This is the number one talent show in the world. We, it's the ratings and all that stuff, but there are a billion people who watch this show. because. It literally off YouTube and off the internet, there are a billion people 
One billion. And it makes you go, my God. And Simon, he knows what works. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was happy he picked me. I was like, am I doing good, man? <laughs> he, a, he gave me a little, you know. <laughs> what do people usually, if they stop you because they recognize you, what is it usually for? It depends on where I am. Uh, if I'm in church or whatever, it's like, everybody hates Chris. You're such a good father. Oh, <laughs> Julius, we just love Julius. If I'm at the comedy club, they're like, Camacho, yes. Camacho. <laughs> you know, that, was a, that was a state of the art experience, by the way. I got a story. Yep. Got no, any, I got a story. idiocracy related. You right know. after White Chicks, I was like, a riding high. Like, oh, this is going to be good. And I remember going in, and there was this movie. It was called 3001. And it wasn't called Idiocracy at the time, but it was Mike Judge. And I was a big Mike Judge fan. I mean, Office Space was one of my class, one of the favorite movies of all time. So I was like, oh, I get to go in for Mike. And what happened is they, uh, the, the, the President Camacho was written this guy as this way, and had a speech and the whole thing. And I went in there, and I, I was born and raised in the urban church. So I knew that. <laughs> Let me tell you, <laughs> when we go up here, <laughs> we're going to come back down. <laughs> and then we're going to go. <laughs> and I, oh my God, they were like, <laughs> Nobody informed the performance like that. And it was so ripped, because I knew I had them. You know what I mean? When you had them, you know, like again, when you got it, I walked out of that room in slow motion and it was like blowing up. Like, you know what I mean? You know what? When it worked, listen, I've had terrible auditions where you're like, Bleh. but that one worked. But they wouldn't give me the job. What? Because no one knew who I was. It was kind of like you're the guy from what you're not a name. And Mary Vernew, oh, wonderful, wonderful Cassie. She was like, I auditioned, I had to do it over and over again. I did it eight times. I went back, eight callbacks. Mary was like, I'm so sorry to bring you back here one more time. I, believe you me, I would never do this. But they want to see you one more time. And I was like, okay. And I kept going. Because there's a point where you get mad or like, oh, I don't want to go. Why? They should know. Even Marlon Wayans was like, man, they should know that already, man. What? He, was, he was mad for me. But I was like, I got him. I know I got him. I know it. And Mary said, Terry, first of all, if you knew who has been auditioning and coming in here, you would be, your mind would be blown. The fact that we're even... She's a major, gigantic talent has come in here, and they can't get you out of their mind. And I'm like, oh, and so we, I get it. And we're in Austin, Texas. We're doing this movie, and I think it's going to be the biggest thing ever, and it flops like crazy. <laughs> Doesn't even get released. It's in two theaters. Yeah. It, worldwide. And they didn't have a poster. No, I nothing. remember. And I'm going, and I remember when they showed it one weekend because they had to just release it to call it a release. It was literally, let the dog go, catch it, catch that dog. Yeah, put it back in. They were like, oh no. And I remember, because I was like, this is the one. I was telling everybody, oh, this movie, I got this movie coming. And everybody, people were coming back up to me. Hey, remember that movie? I was like, what movie are you talking about, man? I don't know what, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> You were bragging, the one you were talking about, the president, right? I was like, no, I don't, 
I don't know what you're... I was just like, I was just kill it. And I said, it'll never come out. And I was devastated. I mean, just curled up in a ball. And I moved on with my life and the whole thing. And lo and behold, <laughs> 10 years later, it's a classic yeah. to the point where people are like, I'll never forget this moment. Will Ferrell comes up to me. He says, wow. Camacho. <laughs> Genius. And I was like, oh, you know what I mean? The one of our greatest comedic actors of our generation. He's like, genius, just genius. I mean, I had major, major stars that were like, Camacho. You know? <laughs> and this is another thing, guys, you don't get the call. Yeah. You don't get the call what works. You don't get that call. You don't get it. You just got to give it, do it. Put your best out there and let it hang. And eventually, when you do good, it'll show up. He's on shirts now. My friend here has a Yeah! <laughs> Come on, Joe! <laughs> oh, I, I love him. <laughs> you know what happened? Dude, this is crazy. In the last election, we did Camacho shorts. That's right. Oh, but yeah. wait, and it failed again. <laughs> it failed again. I was like, Mike Judge, what the hell is wrong with you, man? <laughs> it failed miserably. And we were four years too early. Yeah. Oh that my was gosh. the thing. And then all of a sudden, with all, I had Time Magazine calling me. They were like, Dude, do you think you got something to do with this? Because these, these politicians are like talking about your mama. No, your mama. This is literally what was happening during the election. They're like, your mother? No, your mother is on. And we're like, oh my God, this is idiocracy. And time was, was calling me about all this. And so still, right now, it really has shown how the political process has degenerated into literally, it's going to be a cage match one day. I hope There so. will be. <laughs> Because I know Elizabeth Warren can pick anyone. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, do we have time to do like a speed I know, look at audience it. questions? Yeah. Okay. Um, oh. Let's just. We have a question from Sergio. Um, hey, wants to know in your career what has been the best advice and the worst advice you received? Ooh, the best advice. Uh, ooh, let's see. Again, I, I got to take it back to to Michael Rooker. Oh. You know what I mean? That was the best, best, best advice. Um, you had great teachers, yeah. like this on-the-on-the-job learning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's how I learned. Yeah. I, it was literally on the job. The worst advice, worst advice ever, and I won't even say his name. It was an actor who told me he literally was flubbing his lines on purpose so that he could come back and get the money for looping. Oh, oh, oh man, I was oh dude, I, you know, oh man, my stomach still turns on that. Mm. He was like, hey, man, you know, we can come back here and get some of that looping. I was like, man, just say the damn lines, man. Are you serious? I was like, you don't care about how you, your career, you have no, like, pride in yourself yeah. and your, of your craft. This is, like, it's ridiculous, man. It's like taking a BMW and just smashing it in the wall. You know what I mean? You just, yeah. ah. I was like, no. That was the worst. Yeah. I knew to stay away from that dude forever. Uh, question from Sonia. Hey, wants to know, do you get starstruck and with whom? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> big time. I'll never forget. Uh, another story. It's so good. <laughs> I got so many. Uh, I remember a friend of mine invited me over Eddie Murphy's house. 
And this was a trend, because Eddie is, is the king of comedy. Like, you know, we, we look at so many things, you're like, oh, Eddie Murphy, you know, this is the name, this is the one. And I went in, and I remember there was like Sugar Ray Leonard was like the island drinking orange juice. You're like, oh my God, what? You know, and Johnny Gill is over there dancing. I, was, I don't know why he was dancing, but it was weird. But I was like, hey, okay, you know. Uh, but it was all these, you know, people there, and then, and then all of a sudden, Eddie Murphy is standing at the top of his stairs in a white Adidas tracksuit. No. And he comes down the stairs. He floats. He literally. <laughs> it was literally. I don't think his feet moved. It was just like, uh. And I was like, oh, man, that's Eddie Murphy. Like, damn, I'm in his house. This is crazy. And he looks around, and he's looking, and he looks at me like. And I went, oh, man. And all I could think was, because someone else invited me. And I was like, oh, dude, I wasn't supposed to be here. I knew, I knew it. And, I, and Eddie walks right over to me, does a beeline. You talk about starstruck. I'm going, like, you can feel as they're coming. Yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> you know, it's Eddie, it's Eddie, he's, in, he's almost here. You know, like, it's that kind of like, oh, man, the energy was like a sun, the energy, the heat. You know? <laughs> oh, my God, it's Black Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So it, I was like, oh my God, and he comes right up on me. He said, Terry. I said, hey, Mr. Murphy, how are you, sir? How are you? He said, hey, man. Oh, so good. He said, me, me and my brother, me and my brother Charlie, we're writing this movie, and we got a part in it just for you. Oh. I am not lying. This is when I tell you. He said, man, we're writing this movie right now. He said, would you want to do it? <laughs> what? Oh, you had me at hello. <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, yes. I was like, dude, dude, whatever you want. He said, man, great, man. Look, I'll, I'll have the script over to you. I'll send it. And uh, man, just enjoy, man. Get something to eat. <laughs> and I, now I had to avoid them the whole night because I was like, because you know how you you, you don't want to over you don't right. want to overdo it. Like, right. so Eddie, you my best friend now. <laughs> you don't want to kill it, you know. What I mean? <laughs> so I was just like eating like, like Eddie. <laughs> you know, he's doing his thing, but I was like, you gonna give me a job? <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting for that script, you know. But Lee did not lie. The script came literally a week later, Norbit. Eddie Murphy, Charlie Murphy. And there was my role. You know what I mean? Big Black Jack, his yeah. older brother. You know what I mean? And I was like, I'm and getting on that set. And Eddie was just doing his thing. And he was giving me advice and talking to me. And it was like, hey, man, you know, you don't need pictures. You don't need any of that. Because it's like, that's yours. Like, I don't need a, I don't, come on, let's get a selfie. It's none of that. That's, that's mine, and no one can ever take it from me. It's one of the most beautiful moments in history. But that was a starstruck yeah. moment that turned into something that I could never, like, again, I, I, this is one, I call myself the most grateful man in Hollywood simply because I'm living a dream. But it also can be a nightmare at the same time. So it all evens out. Yeah. Like you, you went, you get your first job, you lost your house. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my God, you're a star! You just got assaulted. <laughs> like, okay, wow, it knows how to even this thing out, doesn't it? You know what I mean? And it makes you go, oh, okay, okay, this is good. But it still hasn't taken any of my energy and taken any of my love because they say, they say that, I, I heard this said before, that um, every cell in your body will manifest the truth as you see it. Mm. I went, whoa, that's deep. And the truth that I see it is that people are good. Like, everyone just wants to live and be right. But now they don't know how to do it, and we all don't know how to do it, but we're all just trying to get what we want. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be, everybody wants to eat. Mm -hmm. Everybody, you know, everybody wants to be healthy. You know what I'm saying? It's just simple. It's really, really simple. And um, I've recognized that in people. And I just, even if people don't like you or they get mad or they get me, you, you just realize, uh, that's something I didn't see that day. You know what I mean? Some people have, who knows what they're going through? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, um, and so I just realized that is how I, I, I need, I have to tell myself that sometimes. Sometimes I get mad and I really want to knock somebody out, okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but then you realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. That, that's something happened to me that day. That's why I always got mad over this over there, you know? And it's really like, a, it makes you a better actor. You know what I mean? Because when you see that, nobody's really bad. You know what I mean? You don't play characters as evil, because that's one note. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I'm so bad. It's like, you start to understand, he's just wanting what he wants. It ain't that, it's, it's deeper than what you, it's not that simple. And you, the greatest performances I've ever seen have been by these kind of conflicted, beautiful characters that just want what they want, but they, they're gonna kill you, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand why they would do that, you know what I mean? It, it makes it a really, that makes good projects, you know what I mean? Uh, we actually have a question from Shaka De Silva, is that correct? It's um, a question for T-Money. <laughs> <laughs> you are the most inspirational person I've seen. How do you stay positive and when did you discover it? Oh man, um, my mom, my mom passed away four years ago, but she, you know, she was so happy. You know, like, I would spend all day trying to make her laugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, she was abused. My father um, was extremely abusive. When he came home, it was run. It was escape. It was literally, he got off on the fact that he made everybody uncomfortable. You know, I, anybody had a guy or somebody in their life that was like that, you, you know, it was like, no one could actually be happy. You know, it was just like, oh, he was alcoholic and the whole thing. And, and she, I just, I remember her, she'd be sad, sitting there crying and different stuff. And I was just like, oh, look, ma, look, oh, look, you know. And I would do some goofy dance and she would just be like, oh, ugh, I don't want to laugh. <laughs> she would tell me this stuff, I don't feel like laughing. I was like, but you laughing, you know what I mean? And she'd be like, and it would be all good. And I realized that there was something to that, mm -hmm. like something to just taking a positive spin and realizing that you can change your circumstances through that. Um, 
And that, that, that's where the positivity came from. Aside from getting to see you on the Oscars in training day, <laughs> what was her favorite thing that you've done? Oh my God, oh man. Um, she loved everything. <laughs> she loved Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Really? Loved Brooklyn. Uh, but I have to say, probably everybody hates Chris. Yeah. Because Friday was too much. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, gee, no! <laughs> you know, she didn't want to see me like that. Um, but she loved me being like this dad. She said, I just watch it again and again, and I crack up, and you're so funny. And um, She really, really loved that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when I, she's got to see me when I started hosting, because I, I really worked hard on hosting. I would do the um, New Year's Eve specials for Fox. And you did Who Wants to NBC. Be a Millionaire? Yeah, you know, I mean, just a bunch of things, just to get the, I did Millionaire. She was like, my God, I lo she loved watching Millionaire every day to see me on it. She said, we just love you. And she had a, she worked at a, a hospital, but the screen was always up. And so she would always watch Millionaire every afternoon. And she said, that's my son, that's my son, you know. It was really cool. She just enjoyed, enjoyed, because she loved entertainment. Mm -hmm. That was the thing. We used to sit and watch Carol Burnett together. That was our class. That was our moment. I, to this day, I still feel Carol Burnett is responsible for most of my comedy. Really? Because I can see that. Her actually. willingness. Yeah. Her. She went there, and the way they would crack up in the middle of the scenes, and <laughs> I remember just watching, like, oh my god, like that's how I want to be. That kind of. I, I feel like we do that on uh, Brooklyn. Yeah. You know what I mean? If it's something you don't get to see the crack ups, but it feels that vibe, and I always wanted that. And special. in some ways, that character is you. I mean, his name's Terry, obviously, but you do refer to yourself in the third person? Yeah, yeah, I do it. <laughs> My wife is really tired of it. That's why she's not here now. She's like, I've heard all these stories. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ooh, you get to talk about yourself for an hour and a half. <laughs> and you, you really do love yogurt. Uh, yes, I do. That, <laughs> let me tell you, they found, they, the, the thing is, they stole, they steal from my real life. I have a minivan, and they put it in the script. Uh, and the fact that I had daughters is not a mistake. And I had a third daughter, I have four daughters total. So there will be more kids on Brooklyn Nine-Nine if we keep going. Because they're copying everything in my life. Uh, they saw me eating yogurt, because, you know, I'm just like, you know, eating this stuff. and. It just thought it was the funniest thing because to them, I mean, it's the daintiest kind of thing for a big guy like me. You know, yogurt is, you ever see a yogurt commercial, it's always female. You know what I mean? So it's always like, mm, mm. They see me with my little thing and Terry loves yogurt. Those guys, Dan Gore and Mike Shore are geniuses, geniuses. There's a, there is, there's no mistake as to why their sitcoms, their shows, everything, Parks and Rec, to, um, you know, The Good Place, and Us, it's no mistake to why they work, mm -hmm. because they know what they're doing. Someone needs to get you a yogurt commercial. I can't believe someone has a I know, I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm, come on, y'all. I'm trying to tell you, Danny, <laughs> your plate, whatever y'all gotta do. I'll do the Blackberry one. <laughs> <laughs> Black Terry, that's what they gotta go. Black Terry yogurt. Them this material. I, listen, I'm, I actually, I actually did. Uh, I created a yogurt line that I'm trying to get going. Are you serious? Yeah, called Berry Cruz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got my face on it. Wow. Yeah, we're trying to do that whole thing. One day it'll make it. One I, day. I will. Berry get that. Cruz. Huh? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean. <laughs>
Um, I could go on for hours. Oh. I so appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Thank oh, you guys are awesome. Thank you for listening to the SAG After Foundation's Conversations podcast. If you appreciated what you heard, please support us with a review or donation and reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SAG After Found. We'd love to hear from you.